Hi, JJ here with The Art of Value. Today I'm going to react to a video by Joseph Carlson about Tesla. This is the this will be the fifth video in a row I've been talking about Tesla. Those are the other ones. I'm going to leave a link to the playlist for those videos in, at the end of this video and in the description and perhaps the pinned comment if you want to go back and look at any of those. I've recently bought Tesla, that's why I'm talking about it, and I've been reacting, responding to some big financial YouTubers, what they've been talking about Tesla. And so Joseph Carlson is not buying Tesla and he stated his reasons, so I'm gonna to react to it. If you're a regular on my channel, you know so I'm in a different environment. I'm standing in the kitchen of our new house, which is gonna be finished in about a month or so. We're gonna be able to move in, but it's a bit echoey at the moment, sorry, but I'm excited to be here. So let's get into what Joseph says about why he's not buying Tesla. I mean, I stand by my, my prediction uh, long-term, um, you know, that, that, that Tesla will be the most valuable company in the world. Tesla will be the most valuable company in the world. That is what Elon Musk just said December 22nd. So that was very recent. Just this month, he repeated his prediction again that he thinks his company Tesla will become the most valuable company in the world. Now, he's even made comparisons that he thinks it will become worth more than Saudi Aramco, more than Apple, and more than all these other companies combined. A massive multi-trillion dollar market cap company. And these predictions are ones that lots of people hold. We have Steven from Solving the Money Problem, a very popular channel on YouTube. He's basically all in on Tesla. That's been his portfolio for a long period of time. I think he's he's done really well in it. And his prediction is that Tesla, like Elon Musk, it will be the most valuable company in the world with a multi-trillion dollar market cap. We have Jeremy from Financial Education just putting out a video, I think yesterday, where he gave his base case for Tesla, implying that it would have $50 billion of net income and again, have a multi-trillion dollar valuation. So I'm aware I'm surrounded by a lot of YouTube channels that are very bullish on Tesla. They think this company is gonna be massive. It's gonna be huge. They have lots of reasons to back that up. And that comes at a time where the stock is down big. It's down 72%. So naturally, a lot of people are asking the question, is this a good time to be jumping into Tesla? And I've asked the same question. I've come to a different conclusion. So I'm hopeful that in this video, I can share an opposing view about Tesla of why I'm not buying the stock without being labeled a hater. So in this first clip, Joseph is talking about how Elon stated that he thinks Tesla will one day be one of the biggest companies in the world. I actually agree with that. It's quite possible given that the target markets they're going after, especially energy storage, I've talked about this in other videos. So they've got cars, energy stores, and a number of other things as well. And Joseph also talked about two other big financial YouTube channels, which I've actually responded to, reacted to about Tesla previously as well. Financial Education Jeremy and Solving the Money Problem, Stephen Mark Ryan. If you want to go back and look at those again, the link will be at the end of the video or in the description. And I've been critical of both of theirs. I'm not just like super bullish. I don't see Joseph as a hater. In fact, he brings up some interesting points he's going to in the clips that I'm gonna show. And so I think this is an interesting one to react to. So in this video, I'm laying out why I'm not investing in Tesla, why I think this company has way more risk inherent in the investment than most investors are giving it credit for. I think it's a much riskier investment than most people realize. And this is something that I've done routinely and I hope these videos are valuable. I hope these different contrarian viewpoints are valuable. I've done something similar with Palantir. When it was trading around $30 per share, I made a video about why I'm not buying it. I think the company had a lot more risk. I think investors were too enthusiastic. I think they're predicting too good of a future for it. Palantir's at like six or $7 a share now, it's down 70%. During the peak of ARK Invest's hype, February of 2021, one, I made a video warning about ARK Invest, how I thought it would have low perspective returns. It's down 80% since that video. I agree with Joseph here in terms of investors being super optimistic, way too having way too high expectations on certain companies, including Tesla. He mentioned ARK and Palantir there. 
I've been warning about ARC back, I think it was a bubble. Well, there was a bubble in, in the EV sector and in emerging tech in general. I've been saying that for ages, back since 2020. Since about the middle of 2020, I saw the bubble, bubble started. And Tesla has definitely been involved in that. And Palantir and ARC was kind of exemplifies what happened there. It's a bubble and bust and Tesla is kind of going through that now. So I do see expectations got really inflated. It's kind of like the hype cycle. Well, it is the hype cycle. If you look at the Gartner hype cycle, we can see that we have inflated expectations and innovation trigger, inflated expectations at the top, then the trough of disillusionment, and then the slope of enlightenment after that. But we're going through a trough at the moment, getting down there. And so I'm, it's kind of different than what he sees, as we'll see in his coming clips. But that's the way I see it. It's been a bubble, but that doesn't mean to say that these will be bad. They're bad companies or bad investments. I just think I haven't bought till recently for that reason. We'll bring up Tesla here. And the big thing that's drawing attention to Tesla stock recently is both that the CEO, obviously Elon Musk, is an attention-grabbing person. Tesla is an attention-grabbing stock. It's always been that way, but especially so over the past six months because of the breathtaking fall of the company. Now, I've seen a lot of dramatic falls of companies. We've seen Meta. We've seen PayPal. We've seen uh, Netflix. We've seen a lot of companies fall, but none quite like Tesla because the size of this company was massive. A trillion-dollar market cap, and it's down 73% year-to-date. And then if we look at it in just the past 90 days, three months, it's down 59%. We look in the past month, one month, and it's down more than a percent a day, down 40%. This is a breathtaking, dramatic fall. And there's been a lot of finger pointing, people blaming Elon Musk, Elon Musk blaming the Fed. You know, it goes on and on. People blame different things. But regardless, that is why people are focused on Tesla. Now, what does this fall do? Of course, it makes the valuation cheaper for Tesla. So people are wondering now if they should buy the dip for the company. I think what Joseph's saying here isn't quite correct. He's saying there hasn't been a bigger drop like Tesla, which isn't true. If you look at Meta and Netflix and a whole and Palantir and a whole bunch of other companies have fallen 60, 70, 80, 90%, especially the ones in ARC. So the smaller it started with the smaller emerging tech companies typified by companies in the art portfolio. Their, their top positions are quite big, but there are a lot of smaller ones that went first. Early February 2021 was the start of it, and it's been going down ever since. Kathy Wood was shocked by how how much it's fallen, I think. But it's just not true that it, it's that others haven't fallen. It's true that Tesla was big. $1.2 trillion valuation was crazy. As I said, I think it was a bubble. He's right there and then it's fallen a lot and it started to fall quickly. When a bubble burst, it starts with the smaller companies, the riskier innovative companies, and it works its way up to what's called the general, shooting the generals last. And Tesla was in the SP 500. It's a big company and you'll notice that Companies like Apple, Google, Amazon are all falling a lot. So it's Tesla isn't the only one. It's fallen dramatically and it does have a lot of press. And I wouldn't be surprised if it falls more, quite frankly. The other question of whether or not you should buy the dip is reliant on the question, is Tesla a car company? This is an important question for Tesla investors. Listen to Gene Munster call in on the phone for CNBC. I think he accurately portrays this question. I forget which uh, of the panelists talked about this today, but is this a tech company or a car company? And I think that, to me, is the bigger question. If you think it's a car company, you should own it. Uh, this means that they're going to have uh, minimal market share, that their margins will go away, that other companies are going to catch up to them. If you think they have some sort of competitive tech advantage around manufacturing, whether it's FSD, batteries, um, that uh, will yield higher margins than typical, and there's a massive um, a market that they're getting into. So, Melissa, 80% of this is the vortex over the next month. 
I think the bigger question investors should be asking here is, is this a car or a tech company? If you believe it's a tech company, I think you should own it here, despite what the, the stock is trying to tell us. I think long term, it goes higher. And to understand why this question is so important of whether or not Tesla is a car company or a good tech company is because of the implications in those definitions. If you're to break down the differences between a good tech company and a car company, it looks something like this. Good tech companies have high returns on capital employed. They're typically asset light. They have high gross margins, high profit margins, high operating margins. They have reoccurring revenue. They're highly scalable. They also have high barriers to entry, large network effects. They have a lock-in creating a moat. This is what defines a good tech company. Now, a car company, on the other hand, is very different. Car companies are not good companies, period. It's not a good industry, not a good place to be. Car companies have low returns on capital employed that's also very sporadic. Car companies are capital intensive. They face intense competition. They're highly cyclical. They're sensitive to the economy. They sell a product that's not a recurring purchase. Rather, it's a one-time lumpy expense that the lifespan can be extended for years during economic slowness. Overall, car companies are bad businesses and they're different than tech companies. That is why they trade differently from tech companies. What he's saying here does have some validity to it, I think. Is Tesla a car or a tech company? Well, I think it's something in between. At the moment, it's definitely mostly a car company just because they're at that stage where they're ramping up cars. It's basically auto. So in terms of cyclicality, he talks about cyclicality. I think that's true. I think Tesla is going to see some cyclicality. Some numbers came out just today about deliveries for Q4 and it didn't meet expectations. So it's hugely a car company at the moment in the future it plans not to be it's got other other segments storage software and it's but that is smaller compared to the auto component at the moment so these things do apply but i said it's somewhere in between it's a tech company and a car company he mentioned things that i like to see high roce return on capital employed i like to see that value investors like to see that asset light high gross margins high operating margins, high profit margins, recurring revenue, highly scalable, high barriers to entry, network effects, and customer lock-in. Now we could say Tesla does have quite a few of those things actually. If he didn't actually go into specifics, it would take me a long time to do that, perhaps in another video. Tesla's had high ROCE in the, like in the last year or so. It's kind of just, it hasn't had that in the past, but we can start seeing that it that it is having high return on capital employed and how high return on capital in general. It's not really asset light. High gross margins in, a, in the auto sector it does. High operating margins, yes it does compared to other car companies. Uh, recurring revenue, that's ramping up. If uh, FSD, full self-driving kicks in, there'll definitely be that, but they're already getting some revenue from that. And there'll be other recurring revenue, I think, in the future as well. And highly scalable, it is, but not as fast as just software. High barriers to entry, definitely high barriers to entry. As Elon has said, Ford's the only other car company that hasn't gone bankrupt in the US. And he talks about Ford in a minute. And network effects, I think Tesla does have network effects. And customer lock-in, I think that's what Tesla's aiming for, for sure, is customer lock-in. A similar ecosystem to what Apple has. It would take a long time to go into each of these things. I will in future videos. If you're getting value out of this episode so far and you're watching on YouTube, please consider hitting that like button to help with the algorithm and it would make me feel good too. Thanks. A great example is Ford. 
a car company. Ford trades at the same price it did in 1987, over 30 years ago. The only gains over that time period is basically the dividends it's paid, and that has not kept up with the market. Ford's earnings per share are not a compounder, they don't just continuously grow over time, rather they're highly cyclical and unpredictable. Ford's returns on capital employed overall are incredibly low, most of the time below the cost of capital, and more than that, they're also highly cyclical. This company never knows whether the investments it makes are going to be profitable. And again, the sensitivity to the economy, market cycles make this company overall with its investments very unpredictable. Even Ford's revenue is not very stable. It typically goes down a lot during recessions and takes a long time period to recover. Now, investors realize all of these things with Ford and it's priced appropriately. Ford trades below a commodity multiple of a 12 Ford PE. That means that investors are literally pricing it as a wealth destructive company, a company that does not create wealth above the cost of capital. They're pricing it at a 7 Ford PE. So all of these various concerns with Ford, the cyclicality, the sensitivity to the economy, the low returns on capital employed, the historically bad performance are being priced into the stock by investors. It trades at a below commodity multiple with the 7 Ford PE. It's a very low multiple. And Ford, again, is not cherry picking. It's not unique in this. This is the car industry. Companies like GM trade at a 6 Ford PE because they suffer from the very same thing. This is an industry-wide problem with these investments. Now, the big outlier here, of course, is Tesla. This company does not trade at a 6 or 7 Ford PE ratio. Even after the dramatic 72% sell-off year to date, 50% over the past three months, the company still trades at a 28.8 Ford PE ratio, which is four times as much as GM and Ford. Four times the price for this company's next year's earnings. And that's what raises this big question of if Tesla is different than other car companies. Because if Tesla is the same, around the same as other car companies, it deserves to fall in price by another 70%. That's the implications there. So we have to show that Tesla is different than other car companies by a substantial amount to be trading at four times a multiple. Okay, here's where he's comparing Tesla to Ford, which is it's not a great comparison because Ford has been around for a very long time, completely different stage of growth and maturity. But it is nevertheless a competitor. It's going to be Ford is doing well on its electric cars, ramping up. And he mentions Ford's fundamentals there. He goes through the price it's it's actually trading at compared to its fundamentals. He doesn't mention Tesla's fundamentals. If you actually do, do compare them, Tesla's fundamentals stack up very well. However, I do agree that during a severe recession, which I which could be coming up and it's starting to be reflected in Tesla's numbers, it could be somewhat more cyclical than a lot of really bullish Tesla investors are thinking. I think we might be starting to see that. And we can see that for Ford because it's an older company. It's been going for, for many decades. We can see the cyclicality. And I think now and it's in a difficult position because if it, other car companies that go through the recession, if they've got, if they happen to have debt and they've got past cyclicality, I think they will have a lot more trouble than Tesla. Tesla has higher margins. It is trading more expensively. So I do, I am expecting that it could go down a lot in share price. He's right from that point of view, but if it got down to be the multiples that he's talking about with those other car companies, I think it would be a very good deal because at the moment, Tesla does have good fundamentals and uh, return on capital, good margins, all that good stuff that those other companies just really do not have. So for the industry, Tesla is in a very good position, which he completely does not really mention. So let's go ahead and jump into this question. Is Tesla different than a car company? Well, a lot of people attribute different attributes to Tesla. One of them that I heard really frequently six months to a year ago was unlimited demand. That was one of the biggest talking points from Tesla bulls. I've heard it over and over and over again. Tesla doesn't have demand issues. It sells as many vehicles as it can produce. It's only limited by the amount of vehicles it can produce. In fact, we have people with interviews one year ago that say this pretty explicitly. Here's one of the most notable Tesla analysts uh, who is Pierre. Um, they have unlimited demand so far, six months wait times for all cars. Unlimited demand so far, six months plus wait time. 
that's not a random clip. I'm not cherry picking here. I could find a dozen, two dozen clips of people saying the same thing on CNBC. Tesla bulls saying the exact same thing. Tesla has unlimited demand, unlimited demand, unlimited demand. Now what's happened over the past year? Well, it seems like the unlimited demand thesis, that part of the thesis is starting to vanish. It seems like there's a little bit of cracks in that unlimited demand. Tesla shares are sliding on demand concerns. We have articles going back just a couple of months saying that there's a lot of price cuts with the Model 3 to try to make it so that they can sell their current vehicles. They're, they're cutting down prices, which is a clear indication that they have lower demand. Companies don't lower prices because they have unlimited demand. Then we have other reports of Tesla not only cutting prices, but actually cutting output. So they're outright sizing down the amount of vehicles they're producing. Again, the only reason they do this is because of demand issues. Now, even though you don't hear this part of the thesis as much anymore because it's starting to be it diminished a little bit, keep in mind, this was a central thesis of many Tesla investors just one year ago. One year ago, the story of Tesla and why it was different than other car companies is it had unlimited amounts of demand. And we're just seeing that not happen. It seems like Tesla is starting to act and behave like other car companies with demand limitations, and it's starting to act like a cyclical company that's sensitive to the economy. Okay, to the question of unlimited demand, has Tesla got unlimited demand? Is it not cyclical? Well, I think it is gonna be cyclical. As a, again, the numbers that came out today, the Q4 delivery numbers didn't come up to expectation, and we're, so we're seeing some cyclicality there. So in terms of being like other car companies, I think it is, as long as it has the majority of its products as cars, I think we'll see some cyclicality there, but perhaps not as much as other companies. Certainly demand isn't as much as it was say a year ago. It's true that very bullish Tesla investors have said have seen it being different than it's playing out now that there'd the be waiting lists, the waiting lists have gone down. In fact, inventory is building up. It's actually only a matter of days. It's around two weeks, the inventory at the moment, but I can see through 2023 that could build up if the recession gets very severe. We've had problems in China with uh, COVID lockdowns and decreasing demand there. I could see that happening. There's competition in China with BYD. It's always forgotten about BYD and Jeremy in his response video. And he never talks about BYD, but I see that as being significant competition in China. People only talk about the US and European companies, but then there are others that could be competition and BYD is in China. But unlimited demand, no, they're going to have to regulate based on demand. Maybe they'll slow down output rather than just going as fast as they can, growing as fast as they can. They will be affected by the macro environment like other auto companies. But coming out of a recession, I think Tesla will be in a good position because I think other companies, other legacy auto companies that still sell ICE vehicles will be in worse positions, probably because of their debt and their legacy assets that don't really work in, in the new environment. Other news that came out overnight is that Hyundai is stopping selling ICE cars in Norway. And I see that's the beginning of something more country by country that'll happen, just noise at the very forefront. But I expect that to happen over the coming years, that companies just don't see it viable to, to make ICE cars anymore and they'll just start making and selling EVs. So there's a lot of demand to go. We're only at like 10% EVs and it's got to go to 100. So there'll be, there'll be significant demand, plenty of demand. That's the other thing that he's missing is that EVs in general are, will ramp up to pretty much 100% of all cars. So there will be plenty of demand. It's just who gets that market share over time. There'll be plenty of demand. And it's starting to act like a cyclical company that's sensitive to the economy. We know what's going on right now. The situation has changed for the economy. We have the car dealership guy on Twitter that posts a lot about the car industry saying, imagine you're a 750 plus credit score rating, which is the highest score. Now imagine you come to buy a car and I offer you a 9% APR. Puke emoji, rightfully so. Who wants a 9% interest rate 
on an auto loan. I don't need to say much more. High rates are killing the car business right now. They're crushing it. A year ago, the unlimited demand was closely tied to unlimited amounts of capital. You could get car loans for 1% or 2%. I have a loan for a car that is 2.1%. It's about as cheap as money can get. I, I get more in a savings account now. That's changed. That window of opportunity for all these car companies has vanished. The Fed jacked up interest rates so high, and it's going to take a while for them to come back down. And we're seeing this affect every car company, used cars, and the auto business as a whole. And what we're not seeing is Tesla being spared from these effects. We're seeing Tesla be affected by them with both price cuts and demand problems. We're seeing in the data itself, used car prices go down month after month after month. This does have an impact on the overall car industry. And I think a lot of investors are forgetting. If you can't get cheap interest rates on car loans, and it goes from 2% to 9%, your car payment goes up dramatically. Most people can't afford that. They simply can't afford a thousand, fifteen hundred dollar car payment. They could afford a five hundred dollar one or a four hundred dollar one, but once it gets into the thousands, that is unaffordable for most families, and they're not going to be buying used luxury vehicles or new luxury vehicles when they can't get cheaper credit. I'm not arguing with this. I think it's real. The cyclicality and the demand diminishing during a recession, of course, and interest rates going up, car loans are more expensive, and during a recession, if people start to lose jobs, we haven't really seen that yet to any great extent, but if people start to lose jobs, they're not going to buy a new car. They're going to delay a new car if they don't have a job anymore, or they might delay it if they feel that wealth effect diminishing from, say, house prices going down. They're going to delay that car purchase, and that definitely is going to affect Tesla, even though there's still big demand for EV, the biggest growth area in auto. So Tesla will be in a good position compared to others but I still think this is true it's obvious that there's going to be some cyclicality and diminishing demand I don't uh, people who thought that there wouldn't be even for Tesla I, I just can't understand that maybe they haven't looked at the auto industry uh, very in depth or much at all to think that Tesla would be immune from from uh, people being in a less a well-off position during a severe recession if we indeed see a severe recession, but even a light recession, people delay car purchases. It's just as simple as that. Now to add on to those concerns, that brings me to the next part. If Tesla is not a car company and it's a, a different company, a different entity, a really quality tech company, then it's not going to be as economically sensitive as most car companies. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. I really am unsure about that. I think Tesla may be about as economically sensitive to the economy as most car companies. Not only is it affected by interest rates, but economically sensitive companies have a wealth effect. We have home prices going down month after month after month. When home prices go down, it makes you feel poor. When you feel poor, you don't buy high-end premium vehicles. We have the stock market going down dramatically. The S&P 500 down 20 plus percent. The QQQ down 30 plus percent. That has a massive wealth effect. People feel poorer this year than last year. And again, if most people feel poor, most people are going to be more reluctant to buy premium vehicles. So I look at the whole situation here and I ask myself, is Tesla really that much less susceptible to the overall economy than most car companies? And I just don't know, but I think it's very risky. And I think most investors are assuming that it's not when there's a good chance that it is, that it's going to be just as susceptible as most other car companies. Okay, so he talks about that wealth effect. I've already addressed that. I agree with that. There is a wealth effect based on house prices. If people, house prices go down or stay even stay stable, they're going down here gone down in New Zealand about 20% or so in the city that I'm in, which was a shock to most people, but I saw that as a bubble in this part of the world. So that does have a wealth effect when people weren't expecting it and it 
it, it makes people delay car purchases. Now we bring up the next point of the question, is Tesla another car company? One of the big moat advantages that lots of Tesla bulls have cited is that Tesla has a unique advantage with their gigafactories and with their manufacturing prowess. They basically are so sophisticated and so advanced with their robots and, and manufacturing process that they can manufacture these vehicles for a cheaper price, which raises their margins overall. And Tesla has gone to great lengths to sort of show off their, their advanced manufacturing with these really slick productions. Look at this video here. This is from the Tesla YouTube channel. Tesla Gigafactories and their manufacturing process is legitimately incredible. And I know why they would want to show this off, because it's incredibly impressive to show what they've done and what they've accomplished. But again, the question here is not if Tesla is impressive, but if it's different than a car company. Let's go ahead and look at another factory. This one happens to be by Ford. They don't have a fancy drone with an incredibly skilled pilot for that drone, but rather they just walk through and they have similar to Tesla, these gigantic hydraulic robots, basically assembling every single aspect of the car. In fact, watching this entire video, you realize how little humans are doing now. Humans do part of it. They just make sure the robots are doing their jobs. The humans do very little in and of themselves. When I looked through Tesla's Gigafactory, I think it is incredibly impressive. But then I look through Ford's factories and I think, again, they're incredibly impressive. And then after a test drive by an employee, that's when it's finally good to go. It's cleaned off and you have the Ford electric truck there. So when I look at Ford's manufacturing process and I see that it's also very impressive and almost entirely done by robots, I ask the question, is Tesla that much different than Ford even in the manufacturing process? Now, I'm no manufacturing expert. Maybe there's some differences I'm missing, but when I look at both the factories and the walkthroughs of both of them, it looks like almost everything in both factories is being done by robots, completely automated. And the big idea here that Tesla is entirely different than Ford because of the manufacturing process, I don't know. Again, it's something that I think is a little risky. I don't know how different they really are. To me, they look very similar. This is an interesting point about the manufacturing of various companies who uses Ford about their manufacturing prowess, even in EVs. And I have seen this argument too, that really bullish Tesla investors said that uh, Tesla's way ahead in terms of their factories. And I think in terms of innovation, they are. And that can be a moat, but you ha it's hard to stay ahead in innovation. I would not underestimate the legacy car companies, even though they've been involved in making uh, ICE cars for so long, it doesn't mean they can't a switch to EVs and be very good at that too. I think people are underestimating that. Ford's obviously going to be good at it. They, I mean, they know how to scale, that's for sure, into massive production. And I think Elon would be well aware of that, especially with Ford. He's He mentions that Ford's the only company who hasn't gone bankrupt, US car company. We need to think about these things. I think Tesla is ahead in terms of innovation, just starting from first principles. Elon started from first principles. And I think they do have kind of an innovation edge, but whether they will keep having that. The other companies do have these other legacy assets where they need to transition. So Tesla doesn't need to transition. They can just build factories and, and go all out with EVs and that's what they're doing. I don't know everything about the manufacturing processes either, but I do think that Tesla is probably ahead there. And these operations from both companies, from other companies are excellent. BYD, I've seen a video of their factory making EVs as well. They're not to be underestimated. And I don't think a lot of Tesla investors have even 
And look at that, BYD is able to crank out a lot of cars and they have very good expertise in batteries because they've been doing it for a long time. That's how they started. You know, innovation is one, it can be a moat, I think, but it's very difficult to stay ahead. But if anybody can do that, I think Elon can. I mean, as Manish Pepper, I said at one time, I would not, wouldn't underestimate a guy who's been running a company that has landed rockets, reusable rockets, landed backwards simultaneously. I mean, really, that's some top class innovation right there. Let's move on to Tesla thesis part three, full self-driving. Tesla is a tech company and not a car company because of its advanced full self-driving and the availability, the capability of their cars to be upgraded even after you buy them. So let's take a look together at the full self-driving. This is something that really would separate Tesla from any other car company. Now, luckily through the magic of YouTube, we have some content and some video footage on this as well. From Marcus Brownlee's channel, it's a great tech reviewer, one of the most popular ones, but he actually did a full self-driving full drive, like a 20 minute plus drive on his way from his home to work, uh, where he, he films in his studio. And I really liked him doing this because I think that he gave a very transparent, honest review of this. I thought it was very straightforward and he describes the pros and cons of it. Now this is him on the freeway. And he says that the, the best part of full self-driving where it has it down best is on the freeway, but he still describes the challenges with full self-driving. It's stressful. I'm gonna show you actually what it's showing me on the screen, which is, it's kind of picking spot right now. Wow, that is assertive. That was an assertive move right there, okay. That qualifies as assertive. So he goes through this drive narrating it, and Marcus says repeatedly that right now, full self-driving would not be able to make this drive without his interaction, without him watching the vehicle. So even though it's called full self-driving, that's the label of it, it's not really full self-driving. It's, it's more like a helpful tool to drive, but you still have to be on guard watching the car in case it screws up. In fact, in one part here that we're gonna watch, this is where he had to actually interject and take over the car because it was about to do something he didn't want it to do, something that would not have been good. This is not gonna work if it doesn't see that it's, yeah, there's, there's a, cone a cone here, it's not, yeah, like that. I'm taking over. So that was bad. There's a cone over there, I took over, and I also need to be back over to the right, which this car didn't. Now he's having to cut like across a huge lane into the, the well second lane it. here. So I'm gonna go back into the correct lane here. Now again, I'm not trying to bash full self-driving. What they've accomplished so far is amazing, but this really isn't full self-driving. He has to be on guard and on watch the entire time he's making this drive. And in some cases, what I've heard from feedback from people I know personally that own Teslas, I have a couple friends and people that I work with that own them, they say that in some cases, Full self-driving from Tesla is almost more stressful than just driving yourself. It's almost like having a student driver. It gets it right in most cases, but you still have to be on guard. You have to be ready to take over the steering wheel because they might make a dumb choice. And so you're almost on more guard and more stressed out than if you're just driving yourself. That's the feedback that I've often received. In either case, Tesla does not have full self-driving. Full self-driving would mean that you can punch in a location, you can recline in your chair, close your eyes, or you can recline and watch YouTube or Netflix and not even worry about the road. That's the true definition of full self-driving. Tesla simply isn't there. In fact, because the term full self-driving is a bit of a misnomer, it's kind of an overstatement for its capabilities, California has outright banned Tesla from calling it full self-driving, saying they cannot sell it under that label anymore. And that's one of their biggest markets. So the full self-driving aspect of Tesla is cool. I think it's very impressive, but I don't think it's a home run right now. It's not gotten to the last step of being totally fully autonomous and not having anyone have to interact as it's driving. And at the same time, again, if we're asking the question between the Tesla and different vehicles, a lot of vehicles can aid drivers on the freeway. Just like the strongest point of full self-driving, there's many cars now that have cameras and sensors and they realign trucks, they realign cars if they're starting to go off the road, they warn about trucks, they'll automatically press the brake if you get 
too close to another car. I've actually seen that happen where a non-Tesla vehicle slams the brakes because a car in front of it is getting too close. Now, this probably is not as advanced as Tesla by any means, but it is there. Cars outside of Teslas are doing some of these functions. Now, again, the problem for Tesla right now is that if it's not full self-driving, then it's something other than full self-driving. And that has huge implications. Tesla cannot run a robo-taxi network. They can't have the massive economics implied in a lot of valuations unless they get to that end point where they really have fully autonomous, full self-driving. Okay, I think this is a really important point in terms of the valuation in particular, because even Elon himself has said the difference between Tesla being with zero and being the biggest company in the world is FSD, full self-driving. If they can get it to work, it'll be very valuable. If they can't get it to work, it'll be worth zero. So it might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I, I think I know what he means there. He means that it's, it's so important in terms of having a moat and being able to be very valuable because of some of the benefits. It'll be one of the biggest innovations in human history, let's face it. And I think it's right that it's not there. And it's, it's very impressive, but it's not there. And I think it could take quite a while before it gets to the to the full full self-driving i don't like the fact that it's called full self-driving as a marketing thing and they're getting into trouble over that they get, could get into more trouble over that why call it that if it's not you're just asking for trouble and with that when it does happen i think the regulatory problems issues are going to be significant it's in various localities cities counties around the world countries i mean it's not just going to roll out instantly. It's going to take a lot of time, even when it does work, because people aren't going to believe it. There's political issues involved you know, with uh, bureaucracy and, and to do with safety. It's really important. So it's not going to be quick. And I think valuations were built in at the peak based on that it was going to be this robo-taxi network. A million robo-taxis on the road. Ark said that. Elon's mentioned that. Being optimistic. I think it will work eventually. They may not be the only ones, but they are they are far ahead. And there's, there's uh, issues about the technology they're using. I mean, what happens in, if, you, if you're relying on a, a taxi network and it's not going to work in severe weather, like snow and rain and so forth? So there's a lot of issues. And I think that to get to 90% or more is probably easier than getting all the way there. And that's going to take a lot of time, certainly more time than Elon has thought. And at the same time, there's been a lot of predictions, a lot of promises from Elon Musk that this is right around the corner. This is back in 2014. Next year will probably be 90% capable of autopilot. Like, so 90% of the Model S and Model X at this point uh, can drive autonomously with greater safety than a person right now. We're still on track for being able to go um, cross country from LA to New York by the end of the year, fully autonomous. But next year, for sure, we will have over a million robo-taxis on the road. I'm extremely confident uh, of achieving full autonomy uh, and, and releasing it to the Tesla customer base uh, next year. Tesla will solve level four FSD. I mean, it's looking quite likely that it will be next year. So Elon Musk has been making these repeated promises of full self-driving going back all the way to 2014. Every year, it's a year down the road, or by the end of this year, they're gonna make the next big breakthrough with full self-driving. Here we are in 2022. Almost in 2023, we have Marcus Brownlee driving his Tesla 20 minutes from his house to work, and he has to take over the vehicle twice, two times in 20 minutes. That's not close to full self-driving. So here we have the issue of timing and Elon's predictions. Elon has predicted that it's gonna be soon. He thought it would be before now, but I think, I mean, he's pretty optimistic. He pushes for pushes for the technology to try and make it happen. And sometimes it doesn't. If we look at the history of SpaceX, about how many crashes they had, how many tries they had to get reusable rockets, and now they're pretty much landing all the time 
easily and it was so difficult to begin with and i think full self-driving will be like that it probably will t- it's obviously taking a lot longer than they thought that the last part over 90 percent is going to be difficult and i think elon rather than lying about it i mean i think he probably genuinely thought that it would be quicker and uh, if anybody can do it he can push for it and so i think it will happen and it'll have a huge effect on the world when it does eventually happen I mean, imagine it does happen. Some optimistic Tesla investors have thought it happened before now and they've kind of priced it in. I think it'll be a massive change and it'll be incredible. There are other companies working on it and doing successfully. As I said, there's arguments about the kind of technology, whereas uh, LiDAR, radar and so forth. And Tesla's trying to do it with the minimal amount of, uh, of equipment, partly to make it cheaper. So... There's a lot on the road ahead, but uh, I'm not expecting it soon. But when it when it does happen, and how that rolls out is going to be pretty incredible, I think. Again, looking back on all of this, I'm not trying to bash Tesla. That's not my goal here. I think it's an amazing company, and I think it's incredible what they've accomplished. I'm glad the company exists. But when you're paying for a stock, you're paying a price, a a set price for the market cap. Right now, Tesla is a $350 billion company. And a lot of the thesis surrounding the implied market cap and these huge predictions about a multi-trillion dollar company or in Elon Musk's words, the biggest company in the world, I think it's difficult to get behind it, at least for me. I don't see Tesla's having unlimited demand. I see them being affected by interest rates and being sensitive to the economy. I don't see Tesla's manufacturing process as all that different than competitors. I don't see full self-driving as really being full self-driving. I see it as something cool, but it's not autonomous driving quite yet. And I think the company's valuation implies something that I'm not seeing with the fundamentals of the company. Okay, I agree with this to the extent that a lot of the valuation was pulled way forward. A $1.2 trillion valuation was kind of ridiculous at the time. I did say it, said to a lot of people, a lot of people argued, very bullish investors. And that's what happens during bubbles where the future is pulled way forward. It's like, uh, it'd be like, well, it's like during the dot-com bubble, it's tech bubble 2.0 when the same thing happened when the future was seen, but it took a long, longer to get there. I think the same thing happened with Tesla. And I think I can get behind the fact that it could be one of the biggest company in the world one day. I don't know if that'll happen, it could, but it could happen. He hasn't even mentioned the the energy storage part of the business, which Elon said could be just as big. So we've got FSD if that happens, when it happens, we've got battery storage and uh, solar, which isn't going so good, but I think the storage is bigger than than the solar really, because uh, Tesla does have a lot of competition in, in, in installing solar. But again, this ecosystem like Apple's, I could see happening where uh, storage is part of it, the cars are part of it. So it's not just a car company, I don't think it will be, but it's in terms of how much the valuation was pulled forward, how much of that growth was pulled forward into, uh, into especially 2020 and 2021, and it's, I just haven't been surprised that it's been going down all year. So what valuation do we put on is the big question. I think that all the things, a lot of the things that have been said about it will happen eventually. It's just a question of when. People got very excited, it got into a bubble, and as I've said, it could go down I've estimated, I've planning that it could go down as far as 95% in very pessimistic circumstances in a severe recession. If it keeps sliding, keeps crashing, it could get down there. And I'm kind of thinking of that. If it doesn't get down there, great, but I think it actually could. The fundamentals of the company. And if Tesla is a tech company, we can compare it from not even car companies, but we can compare it to other tech companies. Let's compare Tesla to Adobe, for example. Adobe trades at a cheaper price based on next year's PE ratio. Even if Tesla outperforms and does $5 in earnings per share next year, higher than most analysts' uh, expectations, 
Adobe's still cheaper. It still trades at a lower PE ratio. Adobe has a much higher free cash flow yield. So for the price you're paying for the market cap, you're getting a lot more actual free cash flows. Adobe has incredibly fast growing revenue, very Tesla-like revenue, but the difference is, is Adobe's revenue is almost entirely reoccurring. It's almost all subscription-based. Tesla's is off of large lumpy sales of vehicles, which are difficult to sell during economic slowness. We have Adobe's free cash flow, incredibly good, high free cash flow growth, and low amounts of stock-based compensation, similar to Tesla. But again, very good free cash flow growth while being subscription-based and not having as much cyclicality. Adobe has been doing share buybacks while Tesla has been diluting the shareholder, issuing more shares. Adobe has higher returns on capital employed by quite a bit. Adobe has higher gross margins. Adobe has higher operating margins. Adobe has higher profit margins all across the board. And they're very consistent because again, it's a subscription tech company selling software. So I don't know what I'm missing here, but when I look at this, I'd rather just buy something like Adobe than something like Tesla. Again, I don't think this is a good comparison comparing Adobe to Tesla. Adobe is a much older a company they used to sell software and cds now they turn to subscription when they could delivering uh, over the internet and changing to a monthly subscription i do have an adobe subscription I use photoshop and other tools i've been using them since the 90s so i just i just don't think this is a good comparison if anything it would be a good better comparison between tesla and apple because apple makes hardware and software and over time they've developed more software that ecosystem of the app store but they also make physical products as well i think that's a better comparison but again apple's been going for a lot longer i think that elon musk can see a way that tesla could be like apple in, in terms of developing this ecosystem customer capture which can be a moat customer demand customer capture keeping people in the ecosystem developing that out even with this, some storage products other products that's what i think he's aiming for so it's kind of not a good comparison software is obviously can be replicated and can grow faster than doing physical products but i think i don't think it's, it's just not a good comparison i think but tesla the way that it's developing is developing like apple into that good ecosystem so i think that's where we'll leave it i think we've covered everything by now but thanks to joseph for covering those points and allowing me to react to them i think it was a good uh, good discussion hopefully as i said i've got a playlist building of tesla videos since i've bought tesla stock and at the end of this i will put up in the corner there if you're watching on youtube a playlist of the other videos if you want to go and watch them sequentially they're all very recent and i think they're worth looking at and I'll see you again.